Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Brought to you by Coach. I'm here with friend, colleague, Coach Anthony Troshak, Charlevoix, boys basketball. And we are excited to dig in to off-ball defense. Ten tips minimum. Might even throw some bonus in here. But ten off-ball defensive tips as you are in the preseason, this day um, and age, we're always thinking about how we can continue to improve some of our teams and what we have to get stops if we're going to to do that. So this is always fun. Coach Tro, we got a lot of positive feedback when we did our 10 tips for summer basketball. Um, handful of coaches reached out to us, and I'm excited to do the same thing again as we ping pong back and forth with some off-ball defensive tips. So let's jump right into it. Jumping right yeah. in. Give me one. Give me one. All right. So first of all, uh, I'm going to start with um, being a pessimistic defender, meaning what's the worst case scenario? Um, if I'm off ball, um, I'm at help side, I'm one pass away. You ought, you have to think as a defender, what's the worst thing that could happen? And it's probably the person with the ball gets blown by. So how am I going to react to that? And oftentimes when we will be in practice as a coach, I'll just stop. Maybe we're doing shell. Maybe we're doing live. I'll just pull the whistle, say, hey, What's the worst thing that could happen right now? And ask them, well, how are you going to react to it? Are you thinking about that right now? Or are you just thinking, hey, I'm at help. I got, you know, help, help, help. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm gap, 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 or I'm denying, deny, deny. Are you just repeating that? Are you really thinking the game? All right. And and then on the next level, like, you know, maybe what's the worst case? It, maybe it's not that, you know, your teammate gets beat up. Maybe the dribble, maybe it's a back screen. You get hit with a back screen. You know, how are you going to do that? Fight over, bump under. Uh, some language that we've used in the past um, on, on a back screen. And then what if your person that you're guiding goes and sets a back screen, you know, how are you going to react that? So you got to be constantly thinking of like the what ifs, but be a pessimistic defender of what's the worst thing possible that can happen. How are you going to react to it? And I think the players should kind of know that and they should all be able to react the same way. If you were to stop practice and say, if this person drives baseline, how are we going to react? Um, so that's my first tip is be a pessimistic defender um, and always have the worst case uh, scenario in your mind and how you'll react to it. What do you got? Mm -hmm. No, that's a great tip. And I should say we're, we're ping ponging back and forth. These aren't necessarily in any order. And most certainly these 10 tips are not, you know, the 10 commandments of off ball defensive basketball. Our hope is that we, we say these humbly and that these can help any coach who's listening. You say you, you listen to oh, two or three of those, man, we can improve that with our program. And so before I share one, I just want to mention communication ties into everything that we do, whether we're in the classroom, whether you're at the workplace, whether you're on offense, defense, how we communicate on an individual basis or how we're communicating as a team. But off ball defense, the communication needs to be at a high level. And that means that we are not just talking, but we're also listening. Just like when you have a conversation with someone, it's not somebody sitting there right? You're actually taking in that information. You're thinking about it. You're listening. And then you would give a, a response, right? You're not going to sit, you know, start talking to me about off-ball defense. And then I tell you what I had for lunch, right? It means I'm not, have no clue what we're talking about, right? And so I just want to throw that one out there because I think that one's huge. For me, my first tip is jumping to the ball. And I say this because I think a lot of issues that go wrong later in possessions could have been taken care of early by the simple fact that we're jumping to the ball. Now, jumping to the ball 
as we talked about before we started recording, that could look different depending on the situation. Basketball is being brought up off the dribble and transition. I'm already in a position where I've jumped to the ball if my defender is back. If the ball is being swung around the perimeter, am I continuing to jump to the ball depending on the location where the basketball is moving? You mentioned, right? Say Virginia or Villanova. I can't remember which one it was, but you're talking about jumping to the ball. Virginia. Even before the ball is in in flight, right? When you're off ball defense and you see that driver start to put that second hand on the basketball, you know whether they're going to shoot it or pass it. That's a great time to begin to move to the player that you're regarding or jump into that passing lane. So are your players continuing to move? They're not late, right? And are they always adjusting when they're off the ball, right? So when I think of jumping to the ball, it's constant. The basketball is moving, whether it's off the catch, whether it's off the dribble. And are we constantly readjusting our position so that we can be in a most effective place to help in the gap or dig into the gap to help, um, you know, if we're, if we're backside and to be able to get into a closeout, that's, uh, that's my first tip coach. And I'm going to kind of speak on uh, a couple things you said. First, you know, we, before the podcast, we were talking about how important communication is. It's like the Holy grail of defense. And, and, you know, it's not even a tip. That's just, you know, it's a non-negotiable, and just but some tips for coaches that are out there listening is, you know, a lot of times, especially early in my career, I'd be like, we got to talk. We're not talking. And come to find out, you know, players, one, they don't know what to say. So I help, you know, what I found out is you got to communicate what you're doing. What are you doing? Are you on help? Are you one pass away? Are you denying whatever your system is? What is the other team doing and the person you're guarding? Are they screening? Are they standing still? So you can communicate what you're doing what the other team's doing or what you want your teammate to do. Hey, force them down this way, force them down this way, force them middle, no middle or force them baseline, whatever your system is. Those are three things you can start with coaches is, you know, tell them what are they doing? What is their opponent doing or what they want to be um, seen out there on the floor from their, their team. And also another tip is, uh, especially the younger groups, I would say freshman JV, hopefully even varsity, I would say that, but, teach them how to talk at a and walk through or jog through actions. So let's say you're going a ball screen action and you want to teach them what to say. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe use early loud and often yellow is what you're going to communicate, but go through it at like 50% speed and just focus on their language. Because if they're trying to do, you know, I'm trying to hedge a ball screen. I'm trying to recover. I'm trying to talk, especially for young kids, man, their heads are going to explode. They're just going to look at you. And they just don't get it or they'll, they'll get it. And then, you know, it doesn't transfer. Um, so that's one thing is, um, you know, go through it at half speed till they have mastered that communication. Cause we just mentioned communication's huge. If you don't communicate, you know, defense going to fall apart. So you got to be able to communicate. Um, so those are just some tips on communication. Oh, another one is if you're, uh, if you're going four on four shell or five on five shell and you got some guys off, I always like to call them like the communication police. I say, hey, you are in charge of our defense's communication right now. It's on you. One, that engages the player. It's out like, oh, crap, I got to pay attention. Two, they got to be helping their teammates out. Three, they got to be talking. So it's, it's just a good way to engage players that are out. Sorry, uh, we could talk communicate. We could have a whole episode on communication on defense. But Coach, before we get back to the episode, I want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge. And I want to let you know that it's powered by coachesedge.coach. 
the membership where we work with coaches from throughout the United States, helping them improve their team and their basketball program. If you're curious about coachesedge.coach and how we can help you in your basketball program, you can reach out to us at coachesedge1 on Twitter, contact at kramerbasketball.com. Thanks again. Let's get back to the show. The communicating given roles to people. Yeah, I, th I think that whether you have assistant coach, maybe you don't have an assistant coach, right? If you're coaching at a lower level, I mean, this podcast is, is generally for high school coaches and, and below. Um, give some of those responsibilities to an assistant of an assistant coach might have to some of those players that may not be in. If, you, if you're going five on five and you have 15 players, there's five assistant coaches that you could have. Give somebody the responsibility to say, hey, I need to know every time someone doesn't jump to the ball, right? And, you know, we talked about, and I mean, this was a long time ago podcast, but if you have players who are continually making mistakes, we talk about when it comes to on-court play, we can't play players that are selfish. We can't play players that are stupid, right? And so we know what selfish looks like. And now when I use the word stupid, I'm not saying that necessarily to call the player stupid. Usually that's a reflection of what hasn't been communicated and walked through by the coach, right? That we're seeing something that we don't want to see out on the basketball court from the players, right? So that's an understanding, right? As we need, to, okay, we're, we've, we've, I thought we talked about this, of what jumping to the basketball looks like. I'm continuing to see the same mistake. We need to make sure that everybody fully understands what we're talking about um, when we, when we go about this. So um, it's back to, it's back to me. Is that right, coach? Is it my turn? Uh, yeah, you can take it. I kind of ran with communication. So, I mean, I don't think we have a number of tips. I think we could just honestly keep going. But, yeah, take it over. My next tip was getting back in transition. I think the first phase of off-ball defense, if you really think about it, is as soon as the other team grabbed the basketball, which means they have to transition from one end of the court to the other. So we're automatically off-ball, right, besides that one person, usually one person's job is to stop the ball. We're off-ball defense in transition. And so what is, what does that look like? You know, are we winning the battle of having the majority of our players have cost, crossed half court before the majority of the players from the other team? Or are we, as coach Morehouse talks about with hope men's hope women's basketball, are they winning the first three steps? So when they're watching the game film and they see that, okay, there was a turnover, there was a missed shot. Are there five players on the court who are digging those first three steps? It's like, well, we win the first three steps getting back in transition. And if we can continually get back in transition at a high level, again, I'm trying to think of, you mentioned worst case scenario. And so in my mind as a coach, what are some of the simple things that we can take care of that will make life a lot easier later on in possessions? Well, if we're, if we're all getting back in transition, we're all jumping to the basketball and in those positions, we're doing a lot of the right things off ball that are going to set up some things that are much easier for us later on. You know, and, and this could be short sound bites. This could be stuff you could break down in much more detail with your players. You know, if I'm going to a, a camp and we only have one, two, three days with a group of kids and we're doing drills that are primarily offensive focused, because that's what most people ask me to work on. But defensively, when we do things, we say, hey, there's three things we're trying to do defensively here. One, we're trying to stop ball. Okay. So somebody has to match up. That's on ball defense. Two, we need to protect the paint. Okay. So now we're getting into off ball defense. And three, we need to communicate what our matchup is in that order. So two out of those three things are off ball. And it's very easy for 
the kids to get, right? You're teaching in, you know, three, right? A lot of, if you get to four or five, six, you know, we're probably not going to remember, but if we teach in those three, stop ball, protect the paint, match up. Again, this is high school basketball. I'm thinking of most high school teams that I see, they're not going to bombs away and beat you from the three-point line. If they do, props to them and we'd have to adjust accordingly. But most teams, the ball scores, high percentage shots at, at the basket, we protect there. Now from there, okay, are we in man? What, where's our locations in the zone? Whatever that might be. So that's my that's my number two, Coach. That's good. I heard, uh, I think it was Matt Dennis talking at a clinic about, you know, he asked how many coaches really work on their transition defense. And like not a lot raised their hand or had like a system. Maybe the question was like, what's your system? What's your, you know, your technique for transition defense? And it's tough, like, hey, sprint back, protect the paint. And uh, one thing I picked up, I, don't, I can't think it might have been that clinic or another one is like to kind of balance the floor and transition defense too. So like, yeah, we stopped the ball, but we have like three defenders on the right side and nobody on the left. Once it gets swung, we're on one side of the floor. Um, so just to piggyback off of that, but yeah, transition defense, um, huge and everything you, you mentioned is, is key to building that transition defense, especially, you know, if, if you play teams that like to push it, um, you don't want to give up easy buckets. Um, next one, Kind of mentioned jumping to the ball and, you know, how Virginia goes with that. Once that second hand goes to the ball, that's moving. So on that, you know, we're going to closeouts. And there's, uh, I found out, you know, a million different ways to teach closeouts. So coaches that are listening, you know, you got to do what you think is best. You can have them chop their feet. You could have them stride stop. Uh, I actually, you know, me personally, I teach both. I go, whatever, whatever you're better with, whatever's going to get you balanced and stop. If you want to chop, that's fine. If you want to stride, stop, that's fine. Um, and with closeouts, you know, how are you going to close out? Are you going to close out? So we're forcing baselines. We're not giving up middle. So that, that's, that's that coach's preference, but they need to understand that your players need to understand that. And then I think it's key to have some sort of, uh, I also think it's important to have terminology for your closeouts. So when I first started coaching, our terminology was a Kobe closeout, a Rondo, and a Miller. And, you know, coaches out there listening know who those players are, but we have updated them to Curry, Durant, and Green, Draymond Green, uh, the Warriors. So Draymond Green closeout for terminology would be you close out early. The player is not, um, you know, extreme threat from the outside. A Durant would be, you know, and he was on the Warriors. Um would be he could drive or he could shoot. He could do either. And then Curry is somebody you want to run off the line. I know Curry can drive. I know he's a finisher in the NBA, but it, it's somebody you want to run off the line. So have that terminology um, in your closeouts going from, you know, off-ball situation to on-ball situation. Um, you know, like I said, move when the ball moves even better when that second hand goes to it. If you're closing out, I think it was Lee Tafton, you know, going over like the, the technique of closing out. If the ball's on my left side and I'm at help side, I want to push off my left foot, point my right toe towards the person I'm closing out to get that push. And that's just going to save them space. So now they can almost arrive on the catch. Um, so those are just some T or some tips um, with closeouts and going back to, you know, kind of knowing the scouting report too. Well, I love that because I mean, that's why I think the closeout is the hardest part of defense. It's that combination of off ball to on ball. And as an offensive player, I mean, that's when I'm always looking to attack is when somebody is actually closing out to me. So as a defensive player, and this goes back to jump into the ball, make sure we're always prepared, right? Because the more you can be set by the time the basketball is in the hands of the offensive player that you're guarding, life gets a whole lot easier for you 
and your team because you've done that. And so to be able to, as Lee Taft was talking about, some of the footwork and the body mechanics of it, mentally to be engaged and prepared so that I can do my work early so that I am nearly set in my stance and ready to move and do what I need to do by the time the offensive player has caught the ball instead of they've caught it and I'm still trying to close the gap. When that's the case, you can talk hand positioning, footwork to the blue in the, till you're blue in the face. But the bottom line is you're late on the closeout, right? And when you're late on the closeout, are you really at the, an offensive player's mercy, right? And so if we can be early on the closeout, we're going to be in really good shape there. So that one's, that one's huge. My number three coach is rebounding. Are we blocking out? Are we pursuing, pursuing the ball? Hit and get. Our defensive possession doesn't stop until we've retrieved the basketball. And for the most part, that's going to come off of a defensive rebound. And so understanding that we're all essentially off ball in that situation, unless you're a team that's leaking somebody out right away to be on offense and just hoping that the rest of the team gets it, which might be the case, certain teams style that they play. But if we can do everything correctly and we're still not effective rebounding the basketball, it really doesn't matter a whole lot of how good of a defensive team we are. It ends once we've gotten the basketball. Not before that. So, you know, I, I just think of, um, you know, even my high school basketball practice. And I don't know if you call it the war drill or cutthroat or, you know, there's different types of kind of macho, you know, whatever drills for defense, right? But just how it was ingrained in us as defensive players, that, on, that other team, they're only getting one shot. They're getting one shot in this possession and they better make it because we are getting that ball. And that's the, that's the mentality. That's the mindset that we want to have. We want to ingrain with the players that we have. They only get one chance if we're not stealing it already. And that's it. We are getting that rebound and we're off and running. Definitely. Um, yeah. That's, that's a part of defense. Off ball defense. A lot of coaches probably don't think it's really off ball, but how important it is to rebound. Um, and, you know, one thing is, you know, move first. So when you anticipate back to that, like jumping the ball kind of concept, when you anticipate a shot goes up, that's when you start to block out, you know, um, it's not when the ball's already in the air because chances are the offense players already moved. They're not where you think they are. Boom. They got to jump on you. Um, so move first is always key. I think this is my number four. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a numbered like you, but uh, I'm going to uh, go with athletic. I was listening to a um, a clinic by, I think it was Molly Miller. She coaches, I forget what team, but anyway, she was talking about having athletic hands. And I love the concept of like, not just your hands are out there, like just there, like they're tight. Like there's like a, like a you know, fire hydrant, you know, like you're shooting out water. They're like tight, so athletic hands, um, especially if you play denial get that hand in the passing lane where you got your thumb down an athletic hand you're trying to get deflections if you're off ball even if you're at help side and the skips comes over or just in the defending the post you have athletic hands you're trying to get deflections you're trying to you know get a steal for your team by just being you know not and a big thing is you gotta have, you have your arms up sometimes you know kids are arms down even if they're on the ball and then you know people are passing around but off ball 
you know, make passes difficult for the other team. Because one thing is, um, if you want to make a, a, a good shooting team, a not so good shooting team is make them a bad passing team. Meaning if their passes are off the off target, because we have athletic limbs and we have athletic hands and we're, you know, contesting passes and we're stunting and recovering and those passes aren't easy. Um, now those passes are down at, you know, people's shoes or above people's heads and that makes them, you know, not, not as good a shooting team. Um, but back to it is, yeah, you have athletic hands. If you're off, off the ball, whether it's in the post, you're in the gap um, or you're deny and you're ready to, you know, get deflections. Yeah, I love that. I think of, uh, you know, when I played in college and we played some pressure, man, we played a lot of kind of on the line, up the line type defense, hand in the passing lane. And it wasn't so much like we were trying to get a ton of steals playing the passing lanes, but it was what you talked about of, you know, what's the best way to get a team to shoot a poor percentage? Well, to make them bad passers, right? I know you said it a lot more eloquently than, than I did, but that's what we did as a defensive team. We're hands out, we're playing the passing lanes, and we're making that catch another, say, five feet outside of where the offensive team probably runs through our practice, where they're comfortable handling the basketball. Everything about defense has now become much easier for our team because of the position with our not only our body and our feet, but with our hands forcing the offense, oh, now they got to catch it out of position. They're not comfortable there. A lot of times what that means is not only is that offensive player caught it out of position, but because of that, now the other four players need to come out of their position in order to help the player that has the basketball. They need to reorganize in a spot that isn't conducive to them running their stuff at a high level. And so I think that's that's huge, especially if that's more of the style of defense that you play. Especially if you have length, like yeah. use your length, like – that's that's something you have you i don't think players understand you know what they can do with their length and how they can disrupt with their length 100 percent um this kind of goes along with my next one is understanding your own strengths your own weaknesses and having the basketball iq right so I, i don't know the best way to summarize my number four it's just basketball iq you don't take chances right meaning you're you're not uh, we talked about, you know, we're not making selfish or stupid plays where we're leaving our teammates out to dry five on four, four on three, three on two situations because we gambled on something. We are able to defend off ball without fouling. Okay. So that's a, that's a huge one. You don't want to pick up any cheap fouls, you know, doing a legal bump or a hold off of a wide pin down, whatever that might be. And then you don't go for some of those fakes. And a lot of time, when we think of players going for fakes, we think of the on-ball defender going for the fake. Well, you know, coach, a, a good pass fake can freeze five defensive players out on the court, right? And so do you have the IQ and the position about yourself to, to stay home, to understand what the other team is trying to do? I'm kind of getting into my number five, even almost off, off of this, but you're not taking those simple chances. If they're going to beat us, they have to beat us, but there's no way that I'm going to beat myself by picking up cheap fouls, going for cheap steals, right? Um, being lackadaisical with my off-ball movement just because somebody did a shot fake, somebody did a jab step, and now I'm looking like they're going to drop. What are they actually doing with the basketball? That, make, that makes sense. And that's, that's 
that's good. Like I never thought of, you know, yeah, don't go for fakes, but if you're off offensively, we teach it all the time. Fake a pass, move the defense, but defensively I've never thought to, you know, just make sure, hey, don't bite on those fakes. Um you know, it's easier said than done, just when we're talking about moving to the ball and when that second hand goes to the ball, be ready to move. Um, but that's good. Uh, the next one, I think my last one, but I got some extra ones too, in case we want to do some add-ons. But um, it's kind of simple, concise, is knowing who you are and knowing who they are. What I mean by that is our, well, I'll start with they. That's the other team, the person with the ball, because this is off ball, and the person you're guarding. So is the person with the ball a huge threat? Are they going to drive, but we got some, you know, some length on them? Um, to really be able to guard them one-on-one so you don't have to help as much. And then maybe you're guarding a knockdown shooter. So know who they are. Know who they are, meaning the person with the ball and the person you're guarding, then know who you are. Are you a player that can close out and, you know, really move their feet or do you need to really uh, get there a little earlier, do your job a little earlier because you're not quick, you know, with your feet and you have to close out earlier. So just simply when you're off the ball, you know, back to it, knowing who you are, knowing who they are. This comes back into the touch a little bit on what I had mentioned of KYP, knowing your personnel that we talked about pre pre-recording. Um, it's, it's so valuable. I mean, you're, you're right on the money. It's so valuable to know our own strengths and weaknesses and the opponent's strengths and weaknesses. And at times through a possession, it's easy for us to get caught up in. And I'm thinking myself as a player on any single possession, it's easy for us to get caught up in where's the basketball Where's the location? What's somebody doing? Who's where? And sometimes we need to take a a deep breath and try to get a feel for the big picture and think, what is it? What has coach talked about in the scouting report? What did that game film look like? What does this team generally try to do on each possession? I'm keeping that always in the back of my head. Right. No possession is exactly the same, but each team has their own strengths, weaknesses and certain styles. And I always need to be reminding myself of that. Maybe this team's not a three point shooting team, but they hit two threes in the past three possessions. I have to continue to remind myself that's not who they are. Right. They may have hit a couple shots, but that's not who they are. And we're playing them as drivers to protect the paint. We understand those things. So I love that tip. That tip right there, uh, knowing, knowing your personnel is, you know, almost goes hand in hand with what you were talking about. So I'm not going to talk anymore uh, about that one. Another one that I have is how tough are we off the ball? And toughness can take many uh, shapes and forms from mentality to persistence. But in this specific example, I'm talking about the physical toughness of are we sacrificing our body? Are we sacrificing our body? Are we able to take charges? Are we diving on the floor for loose balls? Think of how many possessions throughout the course of a 32-minute high school game we could win back if we are the better team in that one specific area of the game. Can we draw another charge or two compared to the other team each game? Can we win the 50-50 battle when the ball is loose each game? If we can do those things, we're setting ourselves up for success throughout the course of the game, just, just from a pure mathematics standpoint of winning the game. But it's, it's, it's tough. 
you, you might there might be some floor burns right you might get a little bloody at times but man i mean that's that's being able to play in the trenches right and that's the defensive toughness that every coach wants in their team now how do you reward it are are you are you praising it when that happens right somebody if somebody draws a charge in a game or even in a in a practice the coach saying hey you know good job or are they fired up are they clapping for him right uh coach Kruger, we had him and uh in one of our podcasts last year they got the charge belt right they got like the wwe championship belt and whoever draws the most charges they get they get to you know like wear the the belt at practice like there, there's certain things that may not be flashy, but man, if we can make them flashy, if we can praise some of those things that we want to see in our players and it becomes cool to do those things, man, I, th- I think we're, it's, ex- I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking about uh, the, the energy and the culture you can start to build when you have guys or girls that are excited about doing some of the dirty work that wins games. Oh, yeah, that's, with that being said, like the toughness of defense and the physicality and doing those that dirty work that's maybe un- not really appreciated, uh, that's what's going to be success. And I think that's what every coach wants their program built on. But like you said, yeah, we might talk about those things, but are you making them an emphasis? So like, yeah, we did the same thing. We had a charge belt. It started out with Gatorades for um, players that took charges and then it grew into a charge belt and it was like a award that we handed out every year and the player got to keep. It was the old school WWF, the Eagle Wings. Uh, it's an awesome belt, honestly. And we stand it out every year and I'm curious if coaches are out there listening, tag me or Coach Kramer, what's the most charges you've had a player taken? I kind of take pride in this one. We had Eric Burgess uh, take 28 charges his senior year. And I think we played roughly you know, 20 to 22 games that year. There was two games where we had four charges apiece. Uh, Ubley and Memphis. Wow. And wow. He was That's just awesome. good at it. And it was, it was fun, but like that was his role, that is part of his role, his identity. And like, he just got really good at it. And like I said, you got to emphasize that you have to, our assistant coach was like tremendous. Like he would go nuts when he, anytime there was remotely close call and practice charge, he's, he's, it's charge, he's a charge. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we would do drills where, you got to get four stops to get out of the drill. But if you take a charge, it's all four stops, things like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, you can do that with a loose ball, whatever you wanted to do. But um, yeah, uh, I think that's great. Those, those tough plays and you gotta, like you said, you gotta emphasize them. You gotta reward them and they're going to happen more often. Um, one thing I, I know you, I know you're going to add another one, but I forgot one more toughness off the ball thing. And that's bumping cutters. This, oh, you, this, is that what you're going to say? Yeah. This drives me nuts. I'm going to let you do your thing. It just drives me nuts when, uh, one, when we don't jump to the ball, right? So you, you jump to the Keep ball, going. first off, that's that's huge. But once you've jumped to the ball, you check them. You check them, man. I mean, you you check them. I, you, you check them, I mean, and, and, and it they don't like it, right? And you do that a couple times early in the game, they don't seem to cut quite as hard or efficiently as they started out the game doing so keep roll with this coach no that's exactly what i was going to say and you notice if you're ever playing pickup a guy that bumps you constantly compared to the guy that just lets you cut and it is frustrating as heck the guy that bumps you because you even if you want to cut like you're just like cutting casually and there's boom and you're like 
come on. Like, I'm not even like making an aggressive cut, but it's that like, Hey, I want to get to this spot, but he's not letting me to. It's a mentality thing of like, gosh, I, I can't get by this person. They're so physical. Their hands are always on me. I remember we used to play a team called Lakewood um, in high school and they ran kind of a matchup zone. And our coach would be like, when you cut through the paint, like they're going to make you pay a toll. So you better be ready. Have your head on swivel. And it was always, they had some big farm kids and it was just forearms, just forearms. And yeah, even if a guy's just casually cutting and he's not a guy that you're guarding, just give him boom, a little form. They're going to, they're going to stop. And it's that physicality of being like, or you kind of um, just, I guess, put your will on them and say, you're not going to be able to do what you want. No, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to bump you. I'm going to be physical. And, you know, I love it. I remember my first practice getting moved up to varsity as a freshman. I'm like a hundred pounds soaking wet at this point. And uh, I get moved up for the districts and we're practicing. Man, I want to say we were on like a Utah play. So I was the shooter on this, this play. And they had two guys. It was a two guard front, two guys down. And then I'm running the baseline coming off screens. Right. And my first time running through the paint, in the center from, from our team, John Gaith was his name, very large human. And he, he checks me with two hands. And again, he's big, I'm small. And, you know, at our gym, um, at USA, there's quite a bit of space in the high school gym from the baseline all the way to the padded wall. He checked me so hard. I hit the padded wall. Right. And I was like, what in the world just happened? And the coaches just like looked at me didn't say anything. We're like, you better get back out on the court. Like you, you know, we're playing. And um, so the, the point is the rest of that scrimmage, what am I thinking about? I'm supposed to run the baseline, which means I got to go through the paint every time. Am I thinking about catching and pulling off the screen? No, I'm hoping my head doesn't get knocked off. Right. And so if you can start to instill some of that with your team, right. I mean, that's, that's just tough physical physical defense so um and on top of that like bumping a guy off of where they want to screen so if i'm guarding you and you want to go set a ball screen i can bump you off that line and now you're not setting the ball screen where you right. want, want to set it or down screen i just bump you off that line so yeah being physical is huge and if you can get away with it the more you get away with it the better yep absolutely next one coach show uh yeah so i got a couple more add-ons i think we're going over uh 10 but um so these are a little shorter but you know head on a swivel so the more you can see, the more you can communicate, the more you know what's going on on the floor. So we talk about flat triangles a lot with uh, the person you're guarding and the ball make that flat triangle that helps side if you're off ball and, you know, using your peripheral vision. Um, so head on a swivel because, like I said, you can communicate more. You're able to see more. You're able to go back to, you know, a couple of other keys. You're able to, to be a pessimistic, pessimistic defender so know what's going on and adjust um, if your head's constantly on a swivel, see in both. That's a really, really good one. Um, this one right here, this I think this is my sixth tip of the day. I thought about putting this number one, actually, and actually saying this is the most important part, but I didn't have that much guts. But hear me out. Ball screen defense. Ball screen defense. And I say that just because – Ball screens are just so common, ball screens and dribble handoffs within styles and motions that teams are playing, especially as more states start to get the shot clock, 
right? And a lot of said, hey, you ran your possession, didn't get anything. Okay, let's bring up a ball screen. And we're starting to see more and more similar actions as the shot clock starts to be adopted. You think of, you know, what you see late clock and NBA and college level. So does your team understand from a five defender set what their responsibilities are when it comes to a ball screen? Because if, if that's a common action, and we're getting into freedom of movement. So many teams are getting four out and five out with their spacing. We need to make sure that our team understands not just the off-ball defense of where the basketball is. Are we hard hedging? Are we trapping? Right? Um, you know, is it is it like a soft jam? Uh, are we icing the ball screen? Is it drop coverage? Those things you're visualizing as I'm saying that with those two players, right? The um, on-ball defender and then whoever's defending the screen. But really, it's the other three players out on the court as well. Does everybody understand their job to do when a ball screen has taken place? And you want to get even more specific with it. Well, what are the locations? What is the situation? What does the personnel look like when it comes to your responsibilities when it comes to ball screens, I think that's really, really important. And I think it's only going to become more important as the game continues to move forward, uh, especially as we get in so many teams, just space, 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 playing deep and wide in the corners. Um, we had an awesome episode a while back on, it was, it was just a ball screen uh, defense episode. Um, it was absolutely dynamite. I'm going to have to try to find it and share it on our Twitter a Twitter account because that was a really, really good one. Yeah, and I, the ball screen, like you said, is trickling down and um, players are getting better at using it, you know, at all levels. And then it really tests, you know, not only two defenders, but a third and fourth defender uh, that are off ball. You tag, you know, you're tagging the roll, are you Xing out, whatever your um, philosophy is. Um, they're more than, you know, two players in that action, even though it's common, you know, people see it's just that a pick, that roll, the old school. But, you know, there's, you know, the lift. Uh, there's an exit screen out of the backside that offenses can do. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of um, off-ball screens that you have to – or off-ball um, defensive, like, techniques and, and coaching that has to be done um, dealing with ball screen. It's not just the two individuals involved in the ball screen. And that episode was with Kevin White, uh, by the way. He's got a ton of college coaching uh, experience. He was awesome to have on the podcast. He spoke at um, – the Hoop Smart Coaching Academy in Grand Rapids last year on um, ball screen defense. So if you you want to listen to that one, it's in the Coach's Edge log. You can go back and check that one out. So that's one of my favorites. Coach, any more off-ball defense tips you want to throw at our listeners? The only one I had started on my list, it wasn't in the top uh, five or six, was just um, paint the floor with your feet. So as an off-ball defender, you have to be constantly moving your feet. Um, you know, whether you're getting through screens, whether you're stunting. Um, but, you know, I always tell the players, imagine that your feet are paintbrushes. Like if I were to put red paint or, you know, pink paint on the bottom of your shoes, you know, on this defensive possession, how many spots would you paint up? So just be active, uh, especially with your feet. And you're going to have to defend multiple actions. Um, so, you know, move those feet. That's a really good one. Um, you mentioned the multiple actions, which is what I was thinking about. How are we defending cutters, screeners, any of those actions that are happening away from the ball, 
and also post defense, not as, you know, post play for many areas isn't as common as it used to be, but your first layer of post defense is an on ball, it's off ball. So what's the position that you want your defenders in? You know, is it, is it a full front, uh, like a more of a denial? Is it a three quarter? Is it half? Are you playing behind? What does that off ball defense setup look like before that player even gets the ball? And that's that's with everything, right? You're as a great on ball defender. the The work that you can get on get done happens before that player has the basketball and you're on ball, right? So the more that we can be on our toes, as you said, painting the floor, the more we're setting ourselves up for success. So, um, Coach Shro, thanks for for jumping in. This was fun. Uh, to talk defense and some things that we can continue to do better as coaches and be mindful of uh, to our listeners. Thank you for listening. One thing, if you've reached out to us at coachesedge.coach, we've had a handful of people email, ask about the coachesedge.coach membership. Um, I've, I've sent you back. The email address is contact at kramerbasketball.com. Uh, we've had a handful of, of members reach out of, of Right, check your spam, check your promotions, check your whatever it is, because I've written you back, baby. I've, I've written you back. Uh, Brian, everybody else who's written coaches edge coach, you got questions about it. Absolutely. Uh, love to chat with you about everything that we're doing with uh, coaches coach. As we head into the season, coach show, you got a presentation coming up later this month or next month on some practice plan and how we can be better organized with that. Um, and that's something that we're really going to dig into uh, as well as we head into the season or how our coaches organizing and getting the most out of the practices that they have. So as, as we go, is there anything that you want to talk about that? Um, you know, one thing is for this podcast in particular is as coaches listen to it, I'm sure that we missed something. So I'm always curious to know like what just flew under the radar that I didn't know that coach Kramer didn't you know so didn't mention so when this comes out you know feel free to send us a message or even you know i know you tweet these out just reply underneath hey what about this and i'm going to slap my forehead like yeah how did i forget that um so i always it's just another way to learn as a coach um and then yeah as practice planning begins to um i guess you know start up here and in the next couple of months it's one thing i'm passionate about and i think you know organization is key and having the best practices because that's where you spend most of your time. You pl- you practice more than you play. Um, so I think that's where you're going to make your most growth. That's where you should put in a lot of time and emphasis and really thought, think it out and critically think how your practices are. So I'm looking forward to diving into that and uh, sharing what I do with coaches and also learning from other coaches. That's one of my favorite things about the coach's edge is being able to one C, right? So if we're doing a zoom presentation, we can see, you know, what your breakdown, uh, a layout of what a practice for you would look like. And then we have those conversations from coaches all over the place on what their practices look like in every single meeting. I get better. And, uh, you know, we record those presentations so coaches can check them out later as well, which is super beneficial. But, you know, we say all of these things humbly, right? Uh, so as Coach Tro mentioned, if there's something with off-ball defense that you found really helpful with your team man let us know we would love to add it to to our own bag because that's what we're continuing to do in the coaches community i mean being a coach is one of the coolest things right because there's so many people that are giving and they want to help 
one another be successful. And, um, you know, that's what we're trying to do with this episode. And it's been able to connect us with a lot of really awesome people uh, through the podcast and coach coach. So thank you guys for listening. Coach Tro, thank you for taking the time. Have a great evening. And to all the listeners, get after today.